You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pionovich. It's Tuesday, November 6th. Happy Election Day. Thank you for electing to listen to this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Penn State is uh, still recovering from its 42-7 loss on Saturday at Michigan. Nittany Lions uh, will host unranked Wisconsin, which is a weird phrase to say. Badgers come to Beaver Stadium this Saturday, noon kickoff for that one. Uh, I had a good chat with my friend and friend of the show, John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times, who's covered Penn State for basically the whole James Franklin era here, and uh, had a lot to talk about following that Michigan game. So basically today's show is going to be my conversation with John, which I thought was very insightful and and kind of nice to to get some more insight on on what exactly happened uh, with, with Penn State's game at Michigan and Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens and where Penn State is right now, and uh, if the season is a disappointment, regardless of what happened in the last couple weeks here. Uh, So I talked about all those things with John. I'm going to just play you that conversation that we had coming up here. I broke down to three segments. Uh, Let's get to that right now. All right, I am happy to be joined now by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John was out in Ann Arbor for... That's bloodbath on Saturday. Johnny, uh, how are you? And uh, just uh, we're about 48 hours after that thing ended. Uh, what are your remaining thoughts uh, on what happened in Ann Arbor? Ooh, well, I'm good. Uh, Piano, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm better than, than the Nittany Lions uh, after that 42-7 loss. Low, low bar, but I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, nah, I mean, there, there's just so many things that stand out about that game. The, the biggest thing, though, to me, and, and, and this is, uh, you know, it's basically after the game was already out of reach, and it's what I wrote about after the game, was just the handling of Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after, um, you know, after Penn, you know, Penn State's down 21 nothing, they bring in Tommy to, to create a spark, um, you know, down three scores late in the third quarter. You know, it, it doesn't go well. Uh, he throws the pick, and they bring Trace back in when it's 21-8, 21-0. It's like, why are you bringing the kid in when you're down four touchdowns and he's dealing yeah. with a, you know, a brace on his knee? So that doesn't really make sense. And so then, you know, that first play, he gets you know, he gets twisted up and he goes to the injury tent and you think that's that's it, he's done for the day. And Tommy comes in and fills in for him. But then Trace goes back out there when they're down 35 nothing. Yeah. With nine minutes left in the game. And that just makes no sense to me at all. I mean, this is the lifeblood of your program. This is your best player. This is your guy who has gotten you to this point. And you're, you're throwing him out there in a 35 point game with nine minutes left. And this is a loss. Like this game is a lost cause. And you're, you're and it's not just any other defense. It's the best defense in the country that he's going up against. Right. And it's a group, it's a group that talked all week, you know, the past two weeks really about how they wanted revenge. And, and you got guys like Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary going after him. And he already been sacked four times at that point. It's just crazy to me that the trace was in the game down 35, nothing. Um, and, and there were obviously a lot of more issues, um, but you know, especially even with the timeout management and everything, but that was a really glaring thing from, from that game and from, from, you know, James Franklin's handling of that situation. Yeah, it, that was, it, it was really weird. I know you were at James Franklin's press conference. I know he said it, it was 
he's basically said he, he it's hard to take Trace out of the game, but then but he, he put him back in twice. Yeah, it, that, that's the part that I don't understand is like they didn't know what they wanted to do. Did it seem like maybe maybe Ricky Ronnie and James Franklin had different ideas or maybe Trace had different ideas or is it just total chaos from your vantage point? Well, look, so <laughs> we'll break it down person by person. So I asked, I asked Trace, I'm like, who is making that call? Like when, when it comes to putting, you know, you or Tommy in, are you talking to Ricky Ronnie on the headset or, you know, is it coming from, from James? And he said, Coach Franklin just came, would come over to us and say, you're going in. And that was it. Uh, I asked Tommy Stevens, did you get an explanation as to why you were pulled after your pick six? And he said, no. So Tommy was left in the dark as to why he was replaced by, by Trace. Um, and then James Franklin, like, yeah, like you said, he said, it's difficult to take, to take Trace out, uh, which you, you had already done that already at that point. So uh, right. that's an issue. Then also he mentioned that, Hey, like, you know, we saw what happened last week, you know, when he came back and, and yeah, like Trace came back and triumphantly returned and had that 51 yard touchdown run against Iowa in a 30 to 24 win coming back from that injury, all the heroics, whatever. Michigan is not Iowa, you know, and you were not at home. This right. is, it was a four score game. It was a four score game. Like <laughs> this is a team who is contending for a college football playoff spot, understandably and, and reasonably so. I mean, this is the top defense in the country. And to have your quarterback out there in a in a unwinnable game is just insane to me, at least. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was it was very confusing. It honestly seemed to me like maybe for the first time since 2015, for the first time since Trace McSorley was the quarterback, that James Franklin and his coaching staff didn't have a good handle of, on what they were doing. Uh, you felt a lot. You felt that way a lot in the John Donovan era of Penn State's offense. <laughs> You have the yeah. the gif of or the R.I.P. Divine of Christian Hackenberg on the phone saying, "I don't know what the hell we're doing out there." You may have said the f word. I forget, but like I don't know if you agree with me, but it kind of felt like for the first time in three years, at least on Penn State sideline, that that was the most confusing time that they've had. Yeah, it it, it certainly felt that way, um, and and there are some other things you we can really even get into this game, but. One thing I do want to talk about piano is, is the defense because I thought we're talking about coaches and everything and confusion. I thought Brent Pry had his unit ready to play for the most part. I mean that yeah, you know people you might forget it was a fourteen to nothing game with a minute left in the third quarter. Right, <laughs> and of course it felt like so much more because Michigan was just dominating. But for Penn State's defense, for Brent Pry to, to game plan, and for those guys to execute, for you know guys like Jan Johnson, Cam Brown, Kevin Givens. You know, each gross monsters for those guys to to hang in there when when they're just getting worn down. I mean, you know, Michigan ran sixty nine plays against them on Saturday, fifty two of which were running plays. Yeah. The week before Iowa ran eighty eight plays. The week before that, Indiana ran a hundred. So this is a unit that is young. You know, with, with all those seniors having departed in the offseason, it's a young unit. It's a unit that, especially a defensive tackle, doesn't have great depth. And depth at linebacker was a concern coming into the season. So it's a young, inexperienced unit that really just got run down over the last three weeks, and the tipping point was Michigan. So when it ends up being forty-two to seven, you look at those forty-two points, and it's like, wow, that's that's ugly. That that's not a good performance. But I honestly thought that Brent Pry's unit really did well for you know three quarters of the game, and I don't you. It's it's not like it was a collapse like it was against Ohio State where they played really good for three quarters and then just like oh like you know they just let you know couldn't tackle or anything. This was just them getting worn down, and I can't, you know, I almost can't blame them for that. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there. I've, it's kind of like if Penn State's defense had the performance like Penn State's offense did, that would have been 65 to nothing or something. Like they, they kept them in the game. They did, they did their job. I mean, Penn State mm-hmm. had a chance. I mean, it looked like it, it certainly should have been an 11 or a seven point game at halftime and they kept them right in there. But Penn State's offense was just inept for 59 minutes or whatever it was until they I put one drive together against Michigan's second or third unit. So yeah, yeah that, I honestly I honestly felt bad for the defense uh, because they were just, you know, they were hanging on and they were waiting and waiting and waiting for that offense, you know, for their offense to click and find, and do something and help them out. Yeah, or just and, stay on the field for 5 minutes. They couldn't even do that. They couldn't do that. Miles Sanders only had seven carries. Yeah. That guy had the, the lowest total of carries he had up until this point this year was 14. Like, that's a guy who should be getting 15 to 20 carries a game. And because Michigan held onto the ball and, and a part of that Penn State just couldn't, like, you couldn't get a running game going whatsoever. And so when, when you can't do that against a team like Michigan on the road, I mean, you, you're leaving your defense out the dry, and that's what happened. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean – you mentioned Parsons had a good game. There's a couple other guys, young guys on that defense who are definitely playing better. But like on the flip side of that, it feels like the any progression that Sanders, KJ Hamler had. I mean, Frymuth had a big catch in the first play of the game. That was like the only positive 20 yard gain for Penn State all day. Uh, but it seems like these guys are, are getting stunted offensively because the offense has just been a shell of its normal self for the past month. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Like you mentioned, I mean, Pat Fryermuth had three catches for 51 yards. That was a bright spot if you want to look at it that way uh, with a 25-yard catch on the first play. Jahan Dotson had two catches yeah. for 20 yards, both of which went for first downs, and one of them was kind of like a toe-tap catch in the fourth quarter, which is a nice play, meaningless play, but in, meaningless to everyone and everything but Jahan Dotson. Um, so those, those two were kind of bright spots. But, yeah, you mentioned Sanders. He just has not gotten it going at all, and it's not really his fault. I mean, the Iowa front did well last week at, at you know, in the 30-24 uh, to 24 win for Penn State. You know, and really Sanders, I think he had 64 yards in that game. He had 72 or so yards the week before and, you know, seven carries for 14 yards against Michigan when, yeah, Michigan's defense is incredible all around but it's pass defense is by is by far the number one pass defense in the country. So you think that they would try and give Sanders a shot. Um, they, they tried doing the, and this is kind of just, I guess the, the crux of, you know, th- this game, they tried pulling the, the direct snap to him. Like they did last year with mm-hmm. the play that busts things open and really set that thing off. And they, they tried doing it, and it was a false start that, that, or delay a game that pushed him back five yards. And then they ran it again regardless, even though, you know, the look was the same, I guess. And they got five yards. But, like, I think that was Sanders' longest run of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it seemed, you know, Sanders has really hit a wall, and it's not really his – I don't think it's really his fault over the last few weeks. Like, you mentioned K.J. Hamler. You know, the, the, the passing game just isn't in sync. And, and missing Jawan Johnson. Right. With his drop issues, you know, obviously it has been a thing, but you would hope to have a guy like that uh, in, in a game like that. So that hurt as well. So the offense, man, it's just 20 – they're averaging 22 and a half points a game over the last their last five. You know, they had more points against Kent State and Illinois combined, more points there than they have their last five total. Yeah. So that's just kind of indicative. It shows you how, how far this offense has fallen. Yeah, I mean they were they were the number one offense in the country 
after and after four weeks, which is, I mean, not a ton of time, small sample size against below average opponents, but still, that's a quarter, a third of your season. Yep. Yeah, it's been a, a disappointing turnaround for Ricky Ronnie in his first year there. Uh, t- just as real quick, staying on the quarterbacks, do, did they give or do you have any insight on what they do on Saturday? Who who we can expect to see as a starter? Do you do you have a guess or any insight on it? Uh, no, like no concrete insight. We'll find out more talking to James Franklin at his Tuesday press conference. But if I had to guess, I think I think Trace will play. Uh, you know, the fact that he he left the game, you know, down you know twenty eight nothing, went to the injury tent, and then came back in. Mm-hmm. You know, while it was kind of a boneheaded thing, but for the you know the coaching staff to put him back in there or allow him to go back in there, you know, I think he was healthy enough to to go back in there. So. I would expect him to be healthy enough to play on, you know, on Saturday against Wisconsin, giving that knee another week to, to heal up. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that would be my guess, but we'll, we'll find out for sure on Tuesday. We need to step away for a quick break, but we'll be right back on Locked On Nittany Lions. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're a college football fanatic. You don't just want to watch the game, you need to watch the game. That's why I'm telling you, you need to check out Sling TV. For just 30 bucks a month, you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and more. You can stream the big games on your big screen and all your favorite devices with Sling TV. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, but it's better. There are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to check out Sling TV, Locked On Nittany Lions listeners can get a special 7-day free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for your free seven-day trial today. Sling.com slash locked on and find out why Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Locked on Nittany Lines is also brought to you by Vivid Seats. If you're looking for Penn State tickets this season or need tickets to any show or sporting event, you got to check out Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And to make things even better, there's a special promo code offer for Locked On listeners. Use the promo code Locked On, and you get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app today, and then use the promo code Locked On, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app today, use that promo code Locked On, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. We are with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. Uh, I do want to keep uh, looking forward a little bit. Penn State goes into a game with Wisconsin that in the preseason, you might have thought, ooh, this could have some national titles, some Big Ten title implications on the line here. Oh, boy, fun one. Now it's number 21. We'll wait and see what Penn State's ranked in the college football playoff rankings versus unranked Wisconsin at high noon at Beaver Stadium. Uh, man, I, I don't know if you, about you. I, I can't remember a game losing this much luster in like a – six seven week span as this one has like it's really it's really gone from marquee matchup to probably like the third best noon game yeah yeah well 
there's a reason like said, there's a reason why it's on at noon yeah. uh, you know i don't i don't hate it i don't hate noon games in terms of covering uh covering three thirties we're getting old a bit but um Ah, uh, yeah, man. Look, it's it's a battle between a couple of six and three teams that have massively underwhelmed this season. Wisconsin entered the year with you know Jonathan Taylor had Heisman hopes. Their mm-hmm. offensive line boasted you know three preseason All Americans. This was a group that was supposed to just run through the Big Ten, and and you know before the year you were looking at this game as hey if, if Penn State can get to this game with one loss, you know will their defense be ready for Wisconsin in a in a game that can decide playoff hopes. Now, th- this game is not that. This game might be a play-in game for the Citrus Bowl for all. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's what it seems like at this at this rate. So, yeah, and Alex Hornibrook, I guess, is going. You know, Wisconsin quarterback is going through concussion protocol, so he might be starting on Saturday. It might be Jack Cohn. Either way, it's an ugly passing offense uh, from Wisconsin. They like to just run the ball, and if Penn State, it, you know. Look, if, if they play, if they defensively, if they play like they did for three quarters against against Michigan and try and make them one dimensional and make you know whether it's Hornibrook or Cohn beat them, I think they have a pretty good chance. Um, they, they've got to find some consistency on offense, and you know, this Wisconsin defense isn't as good as it has been. It's still mm-hmm. I think it's thirty fifth overall in the country, which is still solid. But this is a unit that's under Paul Christ has consistently been top 10, top five in, in the nation. And it's not that this year. So um, the, the defense can be had a bit. Yeah. yeah they, this is a Wisconsin defense that lost a lot of pieces. It was really good last year. And it was pretty good when Penn State last met it in the Big Ten title game two years ago. Uh, but yeah, both of these teams are uh, a far away from Indianapolis. Well, I guess Wisconsin still could win the Big Ten West because it is the Big Ten West. But uh, yeah, kind of a messy season for both teams. Well, I guess they can win the Big Ten West, but I saw somewhere that basically right now Northwestern holds a two-game lead in the West. And if they they can still lose to Iowa this weekend, as long as Northwestern beats Illinois and Minnesota, they go to uh, to Indianapolis. So they could they could wow. theoretically they could theoretically be seven and five and playing for the, the Big Ten title. And I think I think that's what it's all about. If you ever wanted to poo-poo the divisions, you know that's an indictment of, <laughs> on grand scale for the for the Big Ten West. I mean, that's just man, just get rid of the divisions. That's that's a different debate. Okay, but get rid yeah. of it. <laughs> also, in that case, like basically Northwestern's title would come down to their season opening win against Purdue on the Thursday of like August 27th or whatever it was like, that's what decided the big 10 West. Right. And then after that, they, you know, they, they lost to Duke and Akron. So <laughs> you imagine, can you imagine if the big 10 champion lost to Akron? Sending eight, sending eight and five Northwestern to the Rose Bowl. would be great. Uh, and I mean, no, I, and I, no big t- if think what Jim Delaney would do if eight and five Northwestern goes to the Rose Bowl, the Big Ten doesn't get a playoff team. It might happen because Michigan is probably going to be playing them, and Michigan almost lost the Northwestern That's a true. month ago. Well, they're playing in raucous Ryan Field, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's going to be a doozy of a, of a Big Ten title game. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Before we get too far off the tracks here, I do want to go back to talk about Penn State because I did want to talk about this final one thing. Uh, sure. It's just kind of this concept of is 
and I, I'm sure Penn State players will say they, you know, still have a lot to play for. To get nine wins is good. Want to send the seniors out on the high note. All this, but just in terms of, and not in terms of Penn State's record. Let's say they finish nine and three in the regular season, but in terms of how they've picked up these three losses, is this season going to be remembered as a disappointment, regardless of how these final three games go? Yeah, yeah, I think it has to. Um, Granted, there were a lot of people, me included, that picked nine and three before the season mm-hmm. because of these issues that that some fans maybe just wanted to ignore. You know, with, with the mm-hmm. losses on defense, mm-hmm. with you know the the losses on offense, obviously sticking out. You know, with Deshaun and Gesicki and Saquon, and the coaching staff too. Which you know we can we can go on and on and on about that, but. I think it has to be viewed as a disappointment, regardless. Even even though so many people said, "Hey, this is a nine and three team," you know, when you when you enter the year with Trace McSorley, when you have, you know, your your big dogs for the most part outside of Michigan at home, when you're playing mm-hmm. Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin at home, you should expect better than nine and seven. You 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 expect more out of yourself, and it's just the way that the way that those games went too. Right. You know, it, it's like the. You know, they, they arguably should have beat Ohio State. They lose 27 to 26 on a terrible call after a fourth, you know, fourth quarter collapse. So they, they arguably could have could have or should have won that game. Miss Michigan State, I don't know how you only I still don't understand how you don't throw the ball deep against them and only score 17 points at home. Yeah. That's that's crazy to me. So how do you lose that game? And then the, the Michigan game, yeah, that 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 is what it is. That's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. But this team easily could have been eleven and one, could have easily been ten and two, and Penn State fans would have felt a lot better about it. But just the way that this season has gone, the way that they lost those first two games, the way that this coaching staff, you know, with, with Ricky Ronnie just has not gone well so far this first year. Phil Galliano in his first year as special teams coordinator has not gone well. The drops, the you know, Juwan Johnson not living up to the hype, and it's just Yeah. It's just been a frustrating year overall. Mm-hmm. So I it's disappointing, even though those close to the team kind of said, "Hey, this is a nine and three club." Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it was—it's kind of like you also look at it that if you lose to Ohio State, okay, but this Ohio State team, I don't think, is as good or is meeting the expectations that people had for them. They are not the world beater that people thought they could be. They lost to Purdue by twenty-five points or thirty points or whatever it was. <laughs> so to lose to them at home and then, honestly. Uh, you can't have a coach say that they are a step away from being an elite program. Elite programs don't lose to anyone by 35 and almost get shut out and lose by 42. Like even if you're playing Alabama and Tuscaloosa, like that probably shouldn't happen. So I agree with you there that it's been, uh, it's going to be tough to, to put a nice bow in the season though. You know, the, th- the last three games, if, if they can get three wins, that'll be it, nine and three is better than eight and four, seven and five. I'll say well, that. Well, yeah, and, and I noted today I did, I did a story on, on Monday about Penn State's chances to still reach a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, it's They're slim, but I think I mentioned on here before that, you know, in, in the playoff era, you've had four, uh, four three-loss teams uh, make it to a at-large New Year's Six Bowl. Now, three of those four teams uh, with three losses or more that played in a, you know, at-large New Year's Six Bowl also – beat a top three team and Penn State's resume this, you know, in the regular season isn't going to look like that. But if they have some chaos go around them, if, 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 you know, things break in their favor, they finish nine and three on a, on a strong note, 
you know, it'll depend on where they rank uh, in the college football playoff rankings Tuesday night. They have a slim chance of, of making it to the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Bill Bender of Sporting News actually still has them projected to play West Virginia in the Fiesta Bowl, which is interesting. So there's a slim, slim chance of making it to there. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl, but just just finish with nine wins and don't don't let this thing get to eight and four or seven to five. Yeah. Hey, and Penn State basketball season starts starts on Friday. Look at that. North Florida, right? North Florida. Oh, I, I guess I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule yet. Sure. That might be an exhibition. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Well, either way, John McGonagall, we uh, always appreciate your time here on Locked On Nittany Lions. It's never a disappointment. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. And thanks again to John McGonagall of Center Daily Times for his time and uh, insight on Penn State there. Uh, We'll have three more shows this week to get you ready for Penn State, Wisconsin. We're also going to have a show previewing Penn State's basketball season, as I mentioned there, starts this weekend. So we'll step away from the football talk for just uh, one of these shows uh, in the remainder of the week. Make sure you download and subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have a fresh show each weekday during the 2018 season here. Uh, And leave us a rating or review if you can. Uh, We really appreciate that, and uh, it helps other Penn State fans find the show. So thanks again for listening. I'll be back to talk to you on Wednesday. Take care.